0: Well, good morning. We've got a few things we're doing a little different. We've got some videos, which means we have to kind of wait a second until online catches up with in person. The new joys of 2021, huh? I want to just kind of step back and remind you uh, Pastor Dave has been really good about us making a plan before, way before anything in the world has directed us about what we're talking about. And so before we start getting into that today, I'm just going to say uh, it's his fault. No. Uh, We came to this kind of vision a few months ago of this is where we wanted to start the new year, of walking through discipleship, of what it means to really do this and to be a church that's focused not just on being disciples, but making disciples who make disciples. The problem with this is we're going to talk about who leads and who follows and what that looks like, and I want you to know that it's going to poke some buttons given today's current political environment. Um, But it's not all of what it's about, because it's about more than that environment. So if there's a conviction on your heart, I'm going to apologize right now, but it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit doing something. So blame God. Um, But if you'd like to talk about it, I'm more than willing to talk Tuesday so I can have some time to prepare. But... We're excited to talk about discipleship, and Pastor Dave ended or kind of started this with us last week talking about the call. My kids love this idea of low. They keep reminding me, low, Dad. Thanks. Uh, if you don't remember that, it's about remembering, that the command and our, the great commission that we've been called to comes with a remember. So let's start with this. Matthew 28 um, verse 18b to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, lo, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we have this commission, this, this direction to go out to make disciples, okay? And uh, let's see if this keeps working. And here's the piece. We are all disciple makers. This is not part of a choice we have, but this is part of how we've been created. Because we're created in the image of a disciple maker, Jesus, God, part of the whole trinity is part of the image we're created in, and he came here as a disciple-maker. And that's part of who we are. And sin didn't change that of us. Sin is what broke our relationship with the Heavenly Father and made this a little more difficult, but we're still disciple-makers. And so if, you know, perhaps you're going to challenge me on this piece, because I would, I want you to think about some stuff. Um, because we make disciples all the time, right? The question is, what type of disciple are we making? Who are they following? And do you have a plan with it? Um, again, we're not going to talk about what's happened, but I'm going to talk about what happened in my car just the other day. Um, my son is, has his license. He's driving. He's a great driver. He wasn't driving. He's in the passenger seat. And as we make the turn... I swing a little too wide, and I go across the white line. We all do it, maybe. And as soon as I cross the white line, he goes, Dad, did you see that? You crossed the line. (laughs) And I have to agree with him, you're right, I did. It was safe, it was okay, I justified it. But the question is, how did he come to that place of making that comment? Well, to be honest, I led him there right? In the passenger seat, driving with him, I constantly said, where's the white line? Have you crossed the white line? What are you doing with that white line? We make disciples around us all the time. The question is, do we purposely know that it's happening or does it just kind of happen to us, right? And we can look at this again, like think back to middle school, high school, workplace, when we got to hang out with other people. There were cliques. There were groups of people. And it wasn't like they had it you know, uh, interviews or tryouts to be part of it. We just tried to fit in. We wanted to belong. And so we would try to become followers. Not a big deal, except in the 90s when grunge and mullets and rat tails and all of this other stuff that just didn't seem right. But all of a sudden, leaders or followers look like they're leaders and it's okay. And whether it was a plan or not, it just happened. And it happened because they were together And sometimes it was planned, and sometimes it was just what happened. But that stuff still happens today. Today we actually have a metric for this called the number of followers we have on Instagram, Facebook, social media, wherever you want to go. And here's the truth. They don't come find you. You go find them. You select who you want to be discipled by. The difference for our youth is what once used to be like a a once-in-a-while engagement in your life— Right, you used to have to write a letter to a fan club, and that fan club would maybe write you back with a, you know, a generic letter. The influencers in our kids' lives today have influence on them multiple times per day in a relational way. Videos and you know, all of this stuff. And here's the piece of it they're in it to make a buck. Their goal is to get followers so that they can get promotion. Prom- promote other products. They can get paid to, 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 do, to do all this. And the more they have following them, the more money they make. And they don't want to lose you, so they do bigger and bigger, crazier things just to keep you following along. So again, we make disciples all the time around us. And the world's view of this is that it should be a self-focused issue that's about self-serving, and then really it's unintentional. right? There's no goal to make a new influencer. The goal is to keep you Trapped so that you make them bigger and better. So the problem is we're still disciple makers and we're, we fall on both sides of that as leaders and followers. And I think that's what to, to me spoke and why this was a little hard is because that's what's happening in our world today. But God had a different picture. The commission was, the great commission was not about us being bigger, or us getting served, but it was for the glory of God to bring us into relationship for a bigger, better plan of reuniting us. And he gave us a model and a method in which to do this. And as we follow this model and method, there's also some mayonnaise he gives us. And that's a little weird of a word, but again, we're talking about disciple-making, and I had one more image to give you. Because in your refrigerators, all of you have one bottle of mayonnaise or Miracle Whip. Most families don't have both. They have one or the other. And your kids only do one. And Lord, help the family member. That brings the wrong thing to the party. Right? Again, disciple-making. We purposely or unintentionally make these things happen, and they're in the important things in life and in the mundane. So let's look at the model, and then we're going to look at the method that Jesus gives us, and then we're going to have to look at some of the mayonnaise as well. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 5 through 11. We'll start there. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray just for a heart to hear your word. We pray that in any of my words be your words. Lord, we pray that your spirit convicts us wherever it needs to, that it encourages up us and that it empowers us to go forward using your word. Lord, give us a heart to, to hear your word today. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the model for discipleship, it's the gospel. All right? it's this framework that we can use to see what discipleship is supposed to mean but really where it came from and if we start with this the gospel is this great joy or it's great news of great or good news of great joy of Christ and our salvation and that has to start with God first so even with Jesus God came first in that relationship. That's in his creation. That's in our, us creating in his, in his image. And that's recognizing that there's something standing between us and him, and that's the impact of sin. His model keeps going in that Jesus came to see. Jesus left and didn't count equality with God to be a thin grasped, but emptied himself and came to us. The gospel shows us this picture that Christ came to us, not us to him. He's willing to walk a line that most of us aren't. And in coming to us, he also came to call us to follow. But in coming to just see us, he came to call us out of where we were to follow him. And that's why we have two chairs here that look a little different. One is a high chair, and one is kind of the grown up adult chair. And there's a reason because we know messes happen when we're infants. And we know there's got to be a movement as we grow up. And so we're called to follow him, and we're called to follow him as he did, as a servant. And then Jesus came to die. Again, this is a gospel framework. Jesus came to see, he came to call us to follow, and he came to die. This was part of his plan. In looking at this idea of death, we need to recognize that Jesus' death was a full death. Nothing left on the table. Jesus died for all of us, and he died in all. There's this moment on the cross where we need to see that Christ doesn't see his Father anymore. And the reverse is there as well. That there's so much horrific sin sitting on the Son that the Father turns his back and is unwilling to see him. What was in the beginning of a relational God gets destroyed because of sin. All of it's left on the table. To the point, resurrection has to happen to bring back that relationship. And that's what happens. As we continue forward, the resurrection happens because the de- his death is worth something. It is not purposeless, it's sent to empower us with the Holy Spirit because that's what's going to make this all successful, because we need the assistance. I need the assistance. With this whole idea that he came to make disciples, it didn't just end on the cross, but it continued in the fact that we sent the Holy Spirit to empower us with the ability to continue the mission he gave us to make disciples. And he's promised to return. He promises to come back because he has a count in mind. And he promises to come back not to just get the disciples, but all of the disciples. To return to collect all who believe. And if it wasn't about making disciples, then that statement can't be true. Because the only reason I can hold on to salvation is because someone worked in my life the Spirit transformed my heart. And again, we're called to keep that cycle going. So there's this model that we're supposed to come and see, come and follow, come and die, and then make disciples. Now, if, if Jesus thinks this is important enough to die, which he did, I think it's also the model or the method that he leaves us to follow. That if it worked well enough for him, why not look at it as a way for us to follow suit? So let's take a look at that. So first we need to remember that this is a God-first activity. Our goal is not to make disciples of ourselves. Our goal is not to make little Richards or Dave's wandering around the church. This could be a very messy, at least for me, thing. We may be really clean, right? But we want to focus on God. And we have to remember that the gospel, that that model, is also what transforms us. And it's going to be what transforms others. So as we're invited into this idea of discipleship making, it's not about us doing the work, but it's about God doing the work and inviting us along on that path. And again, remember, this is part of our identity. We don't, this is not, didn't end with sin. This wasn't taken, this is part of what we do. And we will naturally make disciples of whatever is in our lives. And then the method brings us to say, come and see. In John chapter 1, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and they ask them, well, not his disciples yet, disciples of John, where are you staying? And he says, just come and see. But there's this invite with people around us that we need to go to them and invite them into life with us. Um, especially now, the world doesn't just come to your door. Um, We know Google is the number one tool used to research just about anything. After that is Wikipedia. (laughs) Not always the greatest answers, right? So we need to look at this, that this comes from us to them and not them to us. Just like Christ came to see us, we need to go see others where they're at. And this this means seeing them where they're physically in need, seeing them where they're emotionally in need, maybe those who need justice, but more than anything, those who are in spiritual need. Right? And then something happens. There's this transformation that's going to occur. And then we get to this moment of, hey, come and follow. Come with me on this journey as we start to see where Christ transforms our lives. All right, and this this is a movement from infancy to adolescence, okay? And for us, we really need to understand that as we we disciple people, just like as we parent, there are gonna be messes. That's why we have the high chair. You don't take your, at least we didn't, (laughs) take our, toddler who is still learning to hit the target of a mouth and put them on grandma's good linens. We put them in the high chair, maybe with a splat mat around them, right? We give them the bowls that stick to the table. Not good, China. We learn that, right? They're going to make messes, right? And we all start needing the spiritual milk, that helps grow us. But then we need to start moving on. And that's about recognizing our sin and our disobedience. Turning in repentance to God and starting to follow into something that looks more adultish. We call them adolescence, And part of that movement is about service. About not just what I get, but how do I serve and love others? Because that's what Christ did with us. He came to serve. And that let us see how he loved us. And let us see how to live with other people. Turn with me to John chapter 12. As we try to to look at the next part of this process, which is to come and die. John chapter 12, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies it remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit whoever loves this his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life Christ came to die and we're invited to come and die with him Now, we don't have, this is not a call to physical death. Although the scriptures talk about a a sacrifice life as being a true sign of of love, that's not what we're talking about in discipleship. But we're all talking about trying to die to the things in ourselves. And that growth comes through sacrifice. As we look at this picture, we have this grain of wheat We can go buy wheat or seeds at Home Depot right now. It's getting close, right? They come in little packets of all the other seeds, and they pretty much look dead, right? Because they haven't sprouted, they don't do anything. And if we leave them alone, they will just stay in that little packet forever and ever, being an incredible seed. Up for a while. But it's not until we take that seed and put it into the grave, bury it in the ground... Do we see life emerge from it? Until that, that plant actually has to give up its seedhood to be a plant and to germinate into 30, 60, 100 fold. So growth has to come with sacrifice. We can look at this easy as, as we look at parenthood. In order to be a parent, we give up some things. We give up time, treasures, things we like that are now broken, our bodies to that. We start to give up some of our future and our abilities. We put their desires over our own. Sacrifice, Right? That's the same thing with us here. Is how do we find more things and more things that we prefer to give away? And then we are called to make disciples. As the seed shows us, sacrifice fruit multiplies. One becomes 30, one becomes 60. And there's a measure of this. We can truly look at the productivity of a seed and see how many new seeds we get. Imagine if a grain of wheat produced one grain of wheat. Those of us who love bread would be very sad, right? And so Christ left us with this mission to go and make disciples, leaving us provided and empowered with the Holy Spirit, knowing there's a measure for us. Right? And it's not more Christ follow, or it's not more me followers, it's more Christ followers. Right? It's not waiting just to see how many are left when He returns, but that there's this continu- continual process from infancy to adulthood to create new in- and keep going. I want you to think back, because each of us, at some point in our lives, has been impacted and brought into a relationship with our heavenly Father. Now, the Holy Spirit and Christ and our Father did all the work for us in that transformation. But you all can identify at least one person who cared for you and loved for you along that journey that helped you become who you are. And I want you to know that that person can make the same picture. And the person before them. And so there's this incredible lineage that happens. This was the awe-inspiring moment for me in understanding biblical genealogy today, or this week, because this is why it's so important, because we're all connected back to Christ in the beginning based on his disciples, and that's who he came to count, all of us. So our hope rests in him. So now we get to the mayonnaise. All right, our model is the gospel and how Christ came and lived that life with us from giving up his, his, his not giving up his duty, but leaving that to come to see us, to bring us along and to send us out. And that's the same path we have been continuing to follow. And if we don't continue to follow that, we're gonna lose out because it takes... All of us to keep it going. But it still seems kind of big, doesn't it? But there's this mayonnaise, this secret sauce that's out there that is probably not so secret. Because it's in all the Gospels, it's found in the narrative all the way through into Acts and into the letters, where we can see some stuff that just comes out of how they were successful. Discipleship starts by being relational. Like true relationships with people is what starts and keeps re- discipleship going. That's why we care so much about those who brought us along on the journey. That's why we care and love for our parents and honor them. That's why we care and honor our elders and those who've gone before. It's intentional. Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. God started with a plan, a journey in mind. Now, the interesting thing is we don't start adulthood. We start as infants. As a parent, I don't start teaching my son to drive when he can't even keep a pacifier in his mouth, right? It's fun to talk to them about those things, but none of that's taking root, But somewhere along the journey, we start to show them and give them more insight into this plan of what's coming along and where you're at in it. And that's part of why we want to walk through these ideas of four chairs, because each of us sit in a different place in our walk. But it's not okay to be stuck in one of them. We need to keep moving through. And when we think we get to the end, then it's about sacrifice and dying to ourselves to, again bring others through this process. It's about prayer. Christ prayed in solitude. He prayed with the children. He prayed with the crowd. He played in the marketplace. Prayer was just part of what he did. Before a big decision, prayer. So we're called to pray. Scripture. Christ was constantly quoting Scripture or overtly telling the story or using the story and referring to it. Scripture played a part of that whole picture because he understood the bigger plan. The mayonnaise is serving. It's really hard to sacrifice what you don't know other people need. But as we start to serve people, we start to understand their needs and what really is going to help them. And so serving allows us to start the sacrifice, and really it's about sacrificing. What things are standing in the way? What are we willing to give to our children to enable them to go next? What, What do I have to give up to open those doors? but it's about all of his children not just ours. And we have to remember that all of this is fully empowered by the Spirit. We have to remember that the resurrection is important enough because it allowed this to happen, for us to be empowered to do all this. Because we're not doing it under our authority, we're doing it under his, his power. And the God of the universe has invited us on this path to keep going. Because just like that last song we sang, every, there's hope for every soul. And we're called to be part of that. So what do we do with all of this? Where do we, where do we start? Let's just go back and look at what type of disciples you are making. And, and let's not keep it focused just on And the church, but we make disciples everywhere around us. What type of disciples are we making? Are they following us or are they following other people? And then we should be able to ask this question of ourselves who who am I? Who are you going to go see? Because if Christ was willing to come to us to see us and give up everything, and truly give up everything cuz he sacrificed it all who are we willing to go see and as we're going to go see those people maybe we should look around and see who's following us maybe the better question is who are you following cuz we all follow people sometimes we know about it and sometimes we don't and lastly Church, this is the question that I think we keep coming back to. What do you have left to sacrifice? I know the longer and longer I get on this journey, I I come to realize that I think I've given it all up. I think I found that last thing that's standing in the way. And you know what? There is an endless supply of idols and things and preferences I don't want to give up. Yet every time I get to that point, I'm called to sacrifice. It's been a while, but Michelle, my wife, and I took in teen moms into our house. She started this journey by being called by God and convicted, and I followed. And we kept putting, or at least I kept putting these barriers of, yeah, that's great. We'll create a nonprofit. That's great. We'll do this. And then there came this point of, that's great, but not in my house. And you know what? We had to figure out how to sacrifice that one. And what I've learned out of that one is that created such growth. To see that woman and all of those women come and follow with us, some some it was an incredible experience. We got to see them get married and their kids grow, and we're still praying through all of that. And some really hard experiences. And we're still growing and still praying through all of that. At some point, we're going to realize that we still have things to sacrifice. We still have things to give up. Because we're still called on this journey of making disciples. Until we're called home. Until he comes back to take his count. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word, to be reminded of your son and the life he lived, coming to see us, calling us to follow him, calling, coming to die and leading us back into relationship with you. And so, Lord, we, we're reminded that we're called not to just leave that alone and to sit there enjoying what's been given to us, but to continue moving forward and call others to the same thing, and be part of that journey with you. And so, Lord, give us the conviction to keep going. Give us the heart to keep growing and to sacrificing for you. In your name we pray. Amen.